time for a brand new episode, Industry 45 Podcast Show. I'm your host, Shane Christopher Neal. Of course, you can access the Industry 45 Podcast Show on all the major streaming platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Buzzsprout, and of course, the home of Niagara's Classic Rock, which is giantfm.com under my radio host page. And now, and now on my brand new website, shanechristopherneal.com as well. All right, Brian Ray, well, he's got a new thing, literally. And Brian Ray, you may know him as a longtime guitar player for, uh, what's that guy's name? <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Sir Paul McCartney. Sorry, slipped my mind right there. Uh, 15 years playing guitar for the legend Paul McCartney. We're going to chat about that and how we got introduced to Paul and uh, about his new single. Again, it's called Got a New Thing. It has been released out on Wicked Cool Records, record label owned by Little Steven, of course, of Bruce Springsteen fame. And uh, it's all coming your way right here. Industry 45 Podcast Show, your sponsor, Trombetta Construction Materials, 1901 Barton Street, East in Hamilton, and Highway 20. Let's get started. It's Brian Ray. Locked and loaded. The Industry 45 Show with host Shane Christopher Neal. All right, Industry 45 Podcast Show, uh, Shane Christopher Neal. Just want to remind you, coming up uh, this New Year's Eve, 2020, it is the 2020 Classic Rock and Review Show. I don't know what we're going to talk about, but there's some new albums that came out. Of course, uh, some big time uh, people passed away. Neil Peart, uh, Eddie Van Halen. It's all coming up this New Year's Eve, 6 to 12 o'clock, 91.7 Giant FM. Uh, but let's get on with the podcast show. Brian Ray's on the phone. How you doing, my friend? I'm good, Shane. How you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing fantastic. You know, I got uh, the the songs not that long ago from Jody. Um, great songs. But before we get into that, before we get into that, in preparation for this, I was listening to a few interviews and it's really interesting because you were doing an interview not that long ago talking about the last live show that you had seen, I think before COVID-19 and it was Aerosmith in Las Vegas, I think uh, I heard come up between you and the guy who was hosting the show as well. Oh, and, that's correct. That's right, man. Right. What a wicked show it was. Their residency there at the park and man alive. It was a mind blower and also sonically and visually super exciting. Well, well, here's the funny thing. You guys talked about it and I was there at that time as well. <laughs> February the 1st, 2020 was my last, I guess, big live show. Uh, I was to see Aerosmith playing at the MGM Park. So I know exactly what you're talking about. I was in Vegas for about eight days. I saw Foreigner at the Venetian. And then two days later, which was a Monday night, I think, it was the Aerosmith show. And John Douglas was playing drums when I was there filling in for Joey Kramer. And I got to, to, to meet John, talk to him. In fact, he was on this very show talking about filling in for Aerosmith, you know, for the Grammys and then the residency. And of course, he's also, I don't know if you know this, but Alex Van Halen's uh, drum tech, of course, when Eddie passed away, I reached out to him. So I just thought it was cool. I listened to your interview and I was like, hey, I was there like within a couple of weeks of these guys. That's kind of cool. Amazing. Yeah, I guess we were there on Valentine's Day or right around that time. It was their last show of, of the season for the residency. And it's a good thing because we were just getting news of, you know, the first few COVID uh, cases in the States. And we're all looking around at each other like, you got it? You Wait, do you have it? <laughs> you know, like, it was great to see them. And I got to hang with all of them backstage before the show. And hey, man, it was just really, really top notch. 
Uh, let's move to, to you got a song out, got a new thing. It's on Wicked Cool Records, uh, Little Steven's record label. Um, and it's interesting because, again, in pre- preparation for this, you were doing an interview with uh, my man, Junkman, and, and much like him, I'm a drummer. And so I agreed when he said I kind of got the melody before I understood the lyrics. And then when I heard the story about the lyrics, and I want you to talk about them and a little bit about the garage pop and kind of how that all plays out in this, because what a great song you've got, man. Oh, man, thank you so much, Shane. That means a ton to me. You're a guy who listens to a billion songs on the radio, so, you know, your ears are tuned in to radio, and I appreciate that. So talk about the writing of the song. You did. You wrote the song by yourself? I did, yeah. This one I wrote by myself. I wrote it all on lockdown. My girlfriend and I were out in the desert. I have a little getaway pad out there. And, um, you know, uh, it was right around the time of the Aerosmith show. We came back from that lovely uh, Valentine's Day date, and I came up with that riff. And, and I thought, okay, well, that's a good start. And then it, and then it spilled into the verse chords. And then I rewrote the chorus. But then ultimately, you really got to come up with a lyric idea. And uh, I, I rewrote it. Uh, when the news started to come out about this uh, Keith Raniere and that crazy cult, the Nexium cult, and I thought, you know, it's it's kind of it's a rock and roll thing to be a survivor and uh, to seek justice, right? Um, and I thought, why don't I write a song for the victims and the survivors of abuse of cults and sex abuse in some of these cults? I know it's hard to write about, but I, I think I did it. You know, just the the sort of the victim now being a survivor, now watching the perpetrator get walked away in handcuffs. And, and I never caught that right away again because I was listening to the song and as, you know, a guy listened to Melody and then I'm like, oh, these lyrics are kind of cool. I was like, whoa, wow, these are really deep lyrics, man. Like a lot deeper than I would have first thought of the first time I heard it. Yeah, deceptively deep, isn't it? It's deceptively deep. Nothing wrong with that, man. Um, so how long did it take you to write this song and record it? You did it this summer, I take it, since you said you started it back, like I guess in, on Valentine's Day or in February. Yeah, I started around Valentine's Day, but it's kind of a slow marinade. It's a slow cook for me with um, many of my songs. Uh, I'll come up with a lick and sort of the the way into it. In this case, as I said, the lick, the riff. Um, but then all of the moving parts can kind of change, and that can take months. I don't even start recording until, this is really weird, I don't even start recording until I can hear the whole record top to bottom in my head. Wow. That means the instruments, the sound of them, the melody, the production, the whole thing. So that by the time I started recording it, which wasn't until August, um, I could hear the record, everything about it in my head. And that's the way to do it for me. It takes a long time to sort of marinate and gestate. And then it, then like the session was two days long. That's it. That's it. Yeah, that's crazy. Now you recorded this obviously during COVID time. So uh, Scott Schreiner from Weezer is playing bass. Um, this this young upstart named Abe is playing drums. 
<laughs> and uh, so how did you make this all happen then virtually? Did you record some of this in a studio or at home? Or how did you get this whole thing done so quickly then uh, when you started recording it in August? Yeah, good question. So, you know, I have a studio at home. I call it Bad Manners, M-A-N-O-R-S. <laughs> nice. Uh-huh. Anyway, uh, and here we can do some distancing here. The engineer can be here in the studio where I'm sitting right now, as a matter of fact. Uh, and then we'll set up the vocal mic out in the entry uh, that's about 12 feet away. So that you can have distancing uh, and the singer can sing without a mask on, of course, because you, you want a masked singer unless you're doing a TV show. <laughs> exactly, a TV show. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, unless you're doing a TV show. So anyway, I had Scott come over here and he's such a pro and he's so damn good. He did the homework, man. You know, I sent him the rough take of me just kind of banging out a bass part and me singing all the vocal parts that I had arranged so that he could learn them. And so that when he got here, it was just about sort of him getting a, a bass performance that took two takes. And then uh, the vocals, you know, he was so quick. It's just one after another because he's just really immediate. Now, Abe, that was a different story. Abe was all the way in his getaway spot, which is in Ithaca, New York, far, far away. And he didn't have his studio set up there. That's here in L.A. So I said, oh, man, okay, well, got it. And he goes, well, let me, hold on. He said, let me see what mics I can put together and see if I can get a drum kit set up from his drum company, DW. Well, they sent him a kit in two days. He looked for enough mics to get a mic. I think he got an endorsement mic called me back and said, I'm going to be set up by tomorrow. Send me the file. <laughs> nice. It's like unbelievable. So Abe uh, recorded his, his recordings. Uh, he, he video recorded his recordings on his iPhone. He did it in one take. That is it. He's a, he's a, he, his, he's a monster on drums, a monster. man. Monster. And then he sang as well. So he sang all the same parts that Scott sang. So there's, if I'm not mistaken, there's six Scott Shriners and six Abe Juniors to make up that wall of a vocal that you hear in the intro and the, the choruses and the bridge. That's that's 12, 12 voices going. It's amazing because I followed Abe for many years just being a, a drummer. And I say this to you, you know, if Abe can't make a gig and you're playing in Canada, I would gladly join the Paul McCartney band for a show, if you'd like. Um, you might have to ask if that's okay, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, that's amazing. And I guess it doesn't help uh, or doesn't hurt rather if you're you're the drummer of Paul McCartney to ask DW to send you some drums and get the mic companies to donate it. So what do you plan on doing after this? So you've got this single out now and you have this record deal with Wicked Cool Records. Talk about that because I've heard you say um, how many records you have to put out per year and what's your long-term uh, goal with this, I guess, over the next 12 months. We'll call that long-term. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, so the, the deal with for two singles per year, but that means they're vinyl singles, so that's four songs a year because a vinyl single, of course, has a B-side. And um, so this is my uh, second one for this year. My first one was uh, my cover of Ain't Superstitious, uh, written by Willie Dixon, and I did kind of a Jeff Beck cover. Then uh, this single and the B-side, Whiskey Train. Yes. Um, and that, that'll last me through a little while, and then we'll talk. You know, I, I don't know what they have in mind next, but 
you know, it ain't up to me. If, it, if it's up to me, I just continue rolling like the, the way I'm doing it. But who knows? They may want to compile. Oh, I've done five singles for them, solo singles. That's 10 songs. Maybe they, they'd like to compile it on an album, but that's really not my call. Um, so I take, while you're out touring with Paul, when you could tour, um, are you constantly writing songs for yourself? Um, yes. Uh, I wouldn't say constantly, but you know that, that strange process that I described to you, that's kind of always going on. You know, there's always sort of like background uh, music in my mind on any given day and, and a riff can live back there and sort of populate, you know, it's like sort of, uh, procreates in my imagination and I just keep adding to it and kind of editing it in my imagination. It's the weirdest thing, but anyway, that's what happens. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm usually, you know, thinking about my next move when I'm on tour with Paul and I'm having such a great time with Paul, obviously. It's like the coolest thing ever with the <laughs> coolest artist ever. And he's so inspiring that it just kind of inspires me. You know what I mean? He's he's always got a song on his mind. And maybe a little bit of that rubs off on us just because he's inspiring. Do you uh, put your songs past him? Like, do you play it? Like when you're on the road with Paul, do you, do you play something go, what do you think of this? Or does he ever give you feedback or is it just not something you, you do? Well, yeah, good question. I mean, I, I don't think I ever play him things before they're finished, but I have, um, several times given him my music when it's completed on a, on a, uh, an album. And yeah, he's been really, really nice. Uh, giving feedback, really generous, he points out rhymes that he thought were cool and surprising. He talks about, you know, the guitar sounds and the snare and, you know, he gets way into it, the songwriting and all that stuff. He's, he's very generous and very attentive as a person. Well, that's awesome. He, I mean, I only obviously know him from what I hear and see, but he seems very genuine, super nice guy. What would it take if anything, or could you to get him to play on a song or is this, that just not something that happens? at that level, <laughs> you know, it, it is something you think about, but the truth is, is that it's a little bit harder than it seems. Um, you know, he's in England, I'm here. And, uh, just to do that back and forth, I don't want to ask a lot of him. Sure. It's like he already gives me everything. He, he's, you know, he's given me a, a life and a world that I, beyond my imagination, it's like, I always kind of feel a little self-conscious, like why ask for one more thing? You know <laughs> right, what I mean? Absolutely. And, um, but you know, I've had a lot of cool guest stars, including Etta James, uh, the late great Etta James, uh, on my first record on a song called soft machine. Um, Smokey Robinson on a previous single of, uh, a song I wrote for him called one heartbeat on wicked cool records. Um, you know, and I have a whole bunch of different, uh, friends that have shown up, but I'm just a little shy to ask Paul. He's, he gets hit on every day and night for something. <laughs> and I just don't want to be one more guy that's asking him for a favor. You know what I mean? So what does your potential schedule look like for 2021? And I mean, I know that's very general because we don't know much about what's going on with live music, but are you going to head back on the road with Paul? Because I believe a tour was supposed to happen this year that either didn't or whatnot, or are you going to play solo shows or 
what would be, I guess, your plan if it, you could get out and play? Well, I mean, we're a long ways off from that. You know, uh, it's going to be a little while before we can do any of those things. I mean, the first things to come back would be small and medium shows, uh, which, you know, is something that I could possibly partake in um, if I were so inclined. But that's still going to take, you know, a little bit better of a health report. Nobody wants to go to a concert right now. And sure. When you're working on the, on the scale that Paul McCartney tours at, you're talking about transportation, flights, buses, truck drivers. You're talking about rigging, crew. You know, you're talking about team members, catering, you know, venues. And venues don't want a bunch of people in there. We're so far away from that right now. We need a reliable vaccine or a few of them, which seem to be coming down the pike now. And we need people to participate in that right. so that we can really um, beat this, uh, this terrible pandemic. Well, you know, I remember reading uh, a while back now that, that live music at that scale was not coming back until the end of 2021. And what you're saying and what you're seeing out there in the world right now, it really does seem like it's going to be late next year before you see anything of any substantial size coming to the clubs or the arenas or the stadiums uh, for sure. I, I, want to, I got a question about nothing about music. But I look at you, you're in great shape. I don't know how old you are, and I don't care, but you look freaking amazing. Do What do you do to keep in shape for a tour like Paul McCartney, though? Because it's got to be demanding. There's probably a long set, but but you look terrific and in great shape. I ch- Well, thank you so much. I, the only thing I do is I chase my girlfriend a lot. <laughs> that's that, that's a good story. Yeah. And keeps me on my toes. <laughs> um, you know, I, I do what I can, man, but thanks for saying, you know, during lockdown, gyms are closed. In fact, my gym that's nearby that I used to go to all the time is really closed for good. So that's a bummer. Um, but I, I bicycle. You know, I live by the beach and there's a bike path right down there. It's something you could do very safely. And uh, with distancing and get fresh air and, um, and then I'll run in the soft sand uh, at the beach. That's a great exercise. And then you just do what you can at home. But when I am on tour, what I do is I, I work out the day of a show. So I'll have a, a little breakfast and I'll go downstairs in the hotel gym or my local gym here if I'm in L.A. and uh, do an hour or so, come back up. Uh, have lunch, then you go sound check, you break, you have dinner, then you do a three hour show, then you party because Paul likes to party. <laughs> Does he? And yeah, then that's the awesome. Next day I kick. Uh, yeah, it's awesome. He's a real party nut. <laughs> anyway, so the next day, um, then I then I'm off. I I don't go to the gym. I'm I'm in a repair mode. Um, usually just bushed from a, from a very full day that I just described. Yeah. That's awesome. But I just, I noticed you were in such great shape and I was just thinking to myself, man, like, you know, we often talk about, you know, these artists as they're getting older and they're getting fatter and not in good shape. And I'm looking at you and I'm looking at, and I'm thinking, wow, man, this guy's in killer shape and probably a good reason why he can run around stage for three hours with Paul McCartney. Uh, one, one final question. Uh, it's about Kelly Clarkson. What did you do with Kelly Clarkson? Did you play on a record? Did you play on a tour or... Yeah, I was lucky enough to play on a big single of hers called Already Gone. And it was um, written, I believe, or co-written with uh, Ryan Tedder. 
of One Republic, of course, yeah. and great producer and writer. You know, he's all over pop radio with a billion artists. Anyway, it's called Already Gone, and uh, it was a great session. Most of the track was completed already, but Ryan was in the studio, you know, changing a few little things uh, as I was doing guitars. So I played about, I don't know, three or four different guitar parts. I did all the guitar playing on that single. And then Kelly comes in. She's so pleasant, so cool, and so positive. She goes out there and sings. She nails it. Hmm. And and then on the same track, not doing a comp. In other words, for your listeners, they didn't do five different takes and then comp them, compile them together later. She sang on one track and punched in a few words, and that's her vocal because she's that good. Yeah, I just I saw that on uh, the thing here. I was like, that that's really cool. I'm a big fan of hers, and she's got some great songs. You have a great song. Got a new thing. Let's do it right now. Industry 45 show. Brian Ray, thank you so much for your time, my friend. The Industry 45 show. Got a new thing
The Industry 45 Podcast Show is sponsored by Trombetta Construction Materials, 1901 Barton Street, East Hamilton, and Highway 20 Font Hill. You can listen to the Industry 45 show on all major streaming platforms and at GiantFM.com, Country89.com, and ShaneChristopherNeal.com.